One of those questions that we're not often asked since like fourth grade is what do you want to be when you grow up? Which the adult version of that is what am I doing with my life? What is my purpose? There's times in our lives where we just hit this wall of like, what am I doing? When we truly go like inwards around what is purpose, it's more about what's already there. We don't have to be doing anything. It's our imprint, our footprint on the people around us, the world. And that can be expressed through many different avenues. And that's so freeing, I think. Welcome back to another episode of the Yes And podcast. I am excited to dive in today because you are here because you want and believe in a life of being able to have it all and not that either or, but definitely the yes and lifestyle. And I am here to bring you the roadmap, the strategy, the support, the inspiration, and the swift kick in the butt to be able to make sure that you have that life. And I think Actually, I don't think. I know that I have a guest who is definitely an expert on that for you today. She is a coach. She is a soul-aligned individual. She's my spirit animal in so many ways, and we're going to discuss everything from her tattoos to her strategy on life. So without further ado, welcome, Kristen. Hi, so good to be here. Yeah, thank you. We planned this like two months ago to be able to do this, huh? I know. I'm so grateful for you to give me the space to be able to show up here when it feels spacious and good. So yeah, I'm excited. Yes. We're going to bring a continuation. And uh, for everybody in the audience, this is going to be a continuation that we started in a bar in Venice Beach. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. A very loud bar at that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It was a great first date with now we're bringing it from Canada and Virginia. So, you know, this is great. Everybody gets to to sit in on this. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to dive into the coaching industry. And I know we've kind of talked about this, but coming from being a therapist, I looked down my nose at coaches because Mm -hmm. I was like, this is just somebody hanging a shingle up. And even I know you have an ICF accreditation. I went through and got my ICM um, certification. But it's like now with coaching, how do you feel that coaching opens up so much more possibility than therapy possibly couldn't? This is such a good topic for yes and because there's like all the benefits and positives. And then also what you're speaking to is like the shadow side of that piece. Mm -hmm. And so what I love about the coaching industry is that it's not highly regulated and that people can just start a coaching business based on their own life experience and how they want to help people. And there really is some of these, you know, there are coaching skills and a skill set that comes along with it, but there's also just a a huge vastness of what that actually means in terms of, um, you know, tools that people use and ways that they help their clients. So what's really cool about that is that there's, you know, a a coach for everybody. There's a method for everybody. There's, um, you know, there isn't this big gatekeeper in the systemic kind of system for that to happen because truthfully, not a lot, not all people can afford to go get their formal education around things, but they're highly qualified more so than, than, you know, say someone who hasn't had maybe life experience or actually gone through it themselves um, than that. So I love that part of it. I I had a, like one of my first coaches, like a five figure investment 
says that he went has a PhD from the School of Hard Knocks. And yeah. why I invested with him is because he's owned several businesses. And so that to me was like the things that I was really specific. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that audience lands on this too, is like, don't go with the coach that's the best marketer. Go with the mm. coach who has the proven results to be able to decrease your learning curve yeah, and decrease the amount of time, energy, and money that you have to spend in, in getting there. And I think that that's important right now because every other ad on Instagram, it feels like, is, you know, a coach that is promising this ideal outcome. And I'm going to ask you, like, are coaches magical fairy unicorns who wave a magic wand and everything, you know, happens for you? (laughs) Oh gosh. If I had that ability, I would be, you know, um, it would be really special. So no, no, no. And I think that that's a really important, um, conversation to have actually. And I, uh, threads is new right now. And I don't know if you're on threads or you're in that world, but I got down a crazy rabbit hole the other day, um, watching someone new and got into her YouTube channel. And, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, throw shade on anybody here, but the conversation was about somebody who, uh, felt wronged by, the coaching industry and had invested a lot in coaching and didn't feel like they got the results. And there's definitely that shadow side of things in this like over promise under deliver, like, let's just make it the offer sound as great as possible. So people are like, Oh, it's a no brainer to do that, but then not follow through on it. And that's just unethical, obviously. Um, but there's also a side of it that has to do with the client responsibility, in my opinion, right? It's a, it's a partnership and we both have to show up to the dance. And so yeah. just like, you know, an uh, obvious example that, you know, a lot of people I think can relate to is that of like a trainer uh, in the gym is like, they can be the best trainer, have the best plan for you, have proven results. But if you don't show up and actually do the work, it's not going to work for you. And then it's hard to say like, oh, that trainer wasn't good or they overpromised, underdelivered. under delivered. Like you didn't show up for it either. So I do think that there is that, that, um, expectation that needs to really come to the table. And one of the things that I talk about with clients before I start is like, are you willing to do the work? Like, this is what the game plan is. Are you willing to show up? Not that you have to be perfect. You're going to fall off the wagon from time. It's going to feel hard, but if you're not going to, it's not going to work for you. So, um, you know, the magic fairy, like, I'm just going to go to this coach and then this coach and this coach, cause they're going to promise me this like silver, you know, the fairy dust that's going to make everything better to me. That's like a, not taking full responsibility for, um, your part in the equation. So yes, there is the people who like overpromise, underdeliver, and don't follow through. And I think we can just put those in like a separate category. Like that's not, to me, what the coaching industry is all about. There are some people who are doing that, but I prefer to focus on the coaches who come into the work because they're super passionate about what they are doing. They want to help people and more coaches than not, I would say fall in that category. So my preference is to really focus on that group of people and then allow that other group, like that's a very short term like strategy because people are going to work with you once and then it's not going to like, you're not going to have clients beyond that or you're going to ruin your reputation or whatever. So that's going to take care of itself. But for people who, you know, actually are there to serve, I think that being clear in the relationship and the dance is the important part. 
Yeah, I love that. I truly love that. And one of the things that I've shared with clients is like, even if I discover that I do have that magic wand, I'm not going to wave it for you because I'm not sure about you, but my journey is the most valuable thing. Like my struggles, even dealing with a disability, like Mm -hmm. those are the things that... It's like in the, there's an Asian tradition. I think it might be in China where they fill in the cracks of the vase with like gold. Yeah. And like, I'm probably one of the most cracked vases like on the face of this planet, but that makes me more valuable. So if somebody came up to me and was like, oh, wave a magic wand and make all your cracks go away, I I wouldn't have my journey. And that's what I love about, you know, the work that we do with our clients is we can hold the mirror for them and we can hold that container, but we're not doing the work for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of brings up an important um, distinction when it comes to coaching too, is that there's the non-directive coaching and then the directive coaching. And the like directive coaching is the foundational work, the shortcutting, the learning curve, like you talked about, someone who's already done it, they've proven the results, they have a roadmap. And it's more about filling in the educational or like knowledge gaps that you might have. It's like, if you don't actually know what it takes to build a six-figure business, it's not going to help having this like not, and this is where therapy, I think probably um, doesn't quite do what coaching can do in this way, because it's like, you're asking people these like leading questions um, or non-leading questions, open-ended questions, but they don't actually have the knowledge to be able to like know that for themselves. So then once they've got the foundational knowledge base, then it's around allowing people to go on their own journey to get there. And so it's like, this is the recipe that I know to be true that seems to work, but then you have to try it on and try it for yourself, see what works, fail, like succeed and make it your own from there. Yeah. And it's your journey. Like that's, that's the thing is you get to own it. You make this investment once in a coach or maybe monthly for a while in a coach and it's your journey to own. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your journey that you take with clients because Mm -hmm. I think it is so incredible because one of those questions that we're not often asked since like fourth grade is what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. Which the adult version of that is like, what am I doing with my life? What is my purpose? And there's times in our lives where we just hit this wall of like, what am am I doing? Mm -hmm. You know, I wake up and it's like, um, what is it? Groundhog day where you're just getting up, putting on your shoes, like putting on your pants, probably not in that order and go (laughs) off and, you know, like go into work or if you have a nine to five or even in some of my companies, I felt this way. And for me, I think having a purpose Mm -hmm. and creating a vision and creating missions for my companies around that vision was such a game changer. And when people have asked me, well, how do you do that? You have such a better process and system around that than like the decade worth of my life that I was like, let me just bump into stuff and and see what sticks and see what doesn't. So let's, let's talk about how you help people like discover that purpose and their soul driven life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a big part of it has been through, was through my own experience. And so I, just to kind of share a little bit about, like, I'll talk about the method, but like how it kind of came to be, um, was my own like decade long exploration continues to be around what this really looks like is, and you know, one of the things that I think is one of my, my mission really is to help people use their business as a vehicle to express their soul gifts in the world. 
And I think that, you know, when more people are doing that, one, they're more fulfilled, they show up, they're thriving, the ripple effects to their families, their communities are so much greater, but also to the collective, like imagine a world where everyone was, you know, working in their soul gifts and got to be uh, compensated for that as well, like through, you know, because we live in a physical world where money is important. And so being able to have a way to exchange value around that, I just think is so beautiful. And that's, that's the vision and mission I have for the work that I do. And part of where that came from was I was in my thirties and I was working in corporate and I had kind of worked my way through the corporate ladder and all the way from operations where I was running restaurants into head office, where I built out the training and development department. I had won awards in this company. I was like really thriving and I was like 30 and I was like doing, you know, had a six figure salary and everything seemed really great. And I remember waking up on, it was New Year's Day, and I was um, currently single at that time. And I woke up by myself in my apartment in Yaletown, and I just got hit with this, like, deep sense of, like, emptiness. Like, it was like Mm -hmm. every, all the pieces were there, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was like a shadow, you know, Stephen Pressfield talks about the shadow life, and that's what it kind of felt like. And so it was time to kind of start looking at that for myself, and a lot of it was creating the space to actually do that, giving myself permission to think about like, what if I were to create from nothing? Like, what if I were to give myself permission to follow those little breadcrumbs or those little like magic moments that appear that like light you up, like light, light me up. And so I started to follow those and I started to get into yoga and I started to get into meditation. I went down a path where I started to uh, work in a lot of like shamanistic practices and did plant medicine and like just kind of went on this journey of for myself. And one of the things that I, you know, would say is a like a one of my soul gifts is weaving. So weaving all of these uh, different pieces together to create something that really worked for me. And uh, what really worked for me was this combination of soul and strategy. So I didn't love just hanging out in the like super spiritual, um, you know, kind of like non-attachment kind of place. It was good to visit and go to and have an understanding that, you know, um, we do have this soul purpose and it is beautiful to be able to express it through our work. But then also marrying that with the fact that we do live in, um, you know, in this human lifetime. And there are things that are, you know, allow us to have freedom. And that one of those things is money. And so why can't we have both? So kind of like, a, you know, the, yeah. the purpose of our conversation. And so now how I kind of support people in the work that, that I do is really marrying those worlds of soul and strategy. So really um, connecting to what I call their soul blueprint, which is their energy, their essence, their soul purpose, which, you know, this is probably bigger than this conversation to talk about, but how I define that is like way beyond what we do. Cause that's, I think what gets a lot of people hung up when it's like, what is my purpose? What should I be doing with my life? And then it starts to look like, well, I should be a coach or I should be, um, you know, I need to be a business owner, but that's really not when we truly go like inwards around what is purpose, it's more about our, it's what's already there. It's like, we don't have to be doing anything. It's our imprint, our footprint on the people around us, the world. And that can be expressed through many different avenues. And that's so freeing, I think, when we let go of like, it has to look like this. And instead, like, what is the expression that I can express my purpose, my soul essence right now? 
And that might evolve and change as we go. So I know a long-winded answer, but I could kind of talk about that forever, but I'll just pause to see if you've got any follow-up questions from that. No, I can't, I want to go deeper in that if you're all right, yeah. because, um, you know, specifically like we did an episode with Lindsay Roselle about plant medicine. Mm -hmm. And it's something that coming from the therapy world that, you know, obviously I had learned about in like a scholarly aspect and then coming into the coaching realm, what, where I'm going with the, the plant medicine comment is that I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that you can find the answer to what is my purpose in the conscious. Mm. Like, I'm not sure that you can find that answer by questioning it with your logical mind. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you have to go, you know, visit a shaman in Peru and like go on or go to a retreat in Costa Rica and, and go on a plant medicine journey. That's not what I'm saying in order to find your purpose. However, I was just working with a client this morning and they they finally put together like that the most traumatic part of their life of like feeling abandoned by their dad in their childhood was shaping so many of their experiences, but they weren't aware of that, like in the conscious. Right. And so hearing you talk about getting into yoga and meditation, kind of like wandering out of this shadow world into like kind of developing more of an unconscious awareness mm -hmm. and questioning everything in the conscious. I don't even know if we're, I'm making sense at this point in life, but that was just the thought that I had is like, I, I don't know if, if we can actually think our way into being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's such an interesting conversation. And I definitely don't think that plant medicine is for everybody or like the answer, like I'm not advocating for that at all. Cause for some people it's not, but what you're speaking to is interesting and important because what I think, and I don't have the answers, it's just my lived experience, is that soul doesn't speak in words, right? Words are a human construct. And so when we try to, um, you know, create a purpose statement that is like in words, it feels flat or it's like, oh yeah, this is my purpose. And then it's like, I, you know, whatever that looks like, because I don't experience soul speaking that way. To me, soul yeah. speaks through metaphor and through symbolism and through nature. And so the reason I think plant medicine works is because it allows us to tap into those pieces, but also like a practice that I use with my clients often, which is super powerful, is simply going out into nature and sitting for like 30 minutes without moving, without any distractions, like purely observing, witnessing and seeing what nature reflects back as a mirror. And those are often what people come back with. They're like, holy shit. They're like, I, I get it. I get what I'm here to do. I get what like my energy is because they'll see things like, you know, the hummingbird going around flower to flower, pollinating things. And that is the symbolism that resonates with their soul. And they're now able to articulate, oh yeah, my gift that I carry is to actually go around and like pollinate, you know, the, you know, mm. people's lives or whatever that looks like. Right. Like it's just an example. But so anyways, I do agree with you and that's, you know, get our subconscious works in the same way as works through symbolism and metaphor and, and feeling more than anything. Um, but you can get there a lot of different ways, whether it be plant yeah. medicine, you know, that kind of work, meditation, whatever that looks like. My favorite is breath work. Yeah. Do you yeah. have a favorite? Oh, it's hard to say a favorite. I use breath work regularly, um, for sure. Um, but you know what, for me, it's actually communing with nature. It's like, if I 
can't, if that, if I didn't have that as like a daily practice, it would feel like something was missing where breath work is like, for me, a nice thing to add in as a tool, but, um, communing with nature, no headphones in, just walking, um, or sitting by the river or something like that. That's probably my practice. Yeah. And you're so aligned with me because typically when we go out in nature, we have our other four-legged, uh, partners in crime with us. (laughs) And I think like witnessing their unbridled joy Mm -hmm. is also just a reminder to like come back to life, you know, of they're just so like, just to fill in the dots for the audience, like Kristen and I both have a love affair with our dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) She had the benefit. You actually had the benefit of meeting Guinness. I did. Um, Yeah. He went to the bar with us. (laughs) (laughs) But just like we were in Santa Barbara last week and just watching him run on the beach Mm -hmm. and just enjoy it and, you know, run into the waves, not worry about getting wet and all of this stuff. It's just, it's just a reminder of like, I think, I think what was mirrored back to me is like what my soul desires is to still have fun. And I think that's what you're saying of like sitting there and allowing nature to speak to you. And that's the powerful thing about going on retreats too, mm-hmm. is typically think about where our retreats are located. Like they're typically in Sedona or some kind of like our retreat, my retreats in Hawaii yeah. on the beach. And that allows us to kind of quiet the noise, connect with nature. And that change in environment disrupts our thought patterns that we have waking up every single day. Exactly. I wonder... If on that New Year's Day, like what interrupted, like what interrupted the pattern? That's such a good question. Um, I don't actually have an answer for that. I, it was like a drop in and it was just a, a drop in and it was this just knowing that something needed to change. And so I can't necessarily speak to what it was. I don't even remember. It could have maybe been like what I was doing the night before, who I was hanging out with or something like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I can't, it was, you know, those moments in life where sometimes you just like get to the end of the road and you're like, okay, it's like, there's no way forward here. I can go right or left, but like forward is not going to work. Yeah. Have you, this is a random like Disney moment. Have you seen Soul, the movie Soul? No. Okay. Okay. Bear with me here because, you know, I have two kids. Um, But when, there's a couple Disney movies that came out or kids movies that came out that like I prescribed to clients because Mm -hmm. I was like, this, this is the key to life and like these kids are getting it but we we need to watch it as adults yeah and there's a moment where they're in like this soul land and they go into i forget what it's called we'll call it shadow land because it's very similar to what you're talking about and there's the soul and it's covered in like this shadow and you get a peek into what that soul's doing on earth and it's a guy like sitting at his desk making trades like he's a day trader Mm. and like the soul the shadow soul is wandering around being like make a trade make a trade make a trade and it's just such a deep moment where you're like how many people are in that shadow land just kind of it's a beautiful soul but it's covered in this almost like it's forgotten yeah you know what its power is or what its purpose is on earth. And so it's covered in the shadow and um, the characters that are there like on the ship, like occasionally capture one of these souls and 
play drums and meditate with it and like reminded of what's its purpose, the shadow falls off and the soul goes back to earth and like quits its job or, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's a cute scene. Watch like now we're going to have to cut in that scene in the middle of our podcast interview, but like the, it's a really cute scene, but it's also really deep because that's the imagery that came up when you're like, I'm getting all these awards and like, I'm, you know, progressing in the ladder. And I think there's a lot of that in, especially in the corporate world where it's like next promotion, Mm -hmm. next thing, next award, next external validation. And that shadow starts to cover up the soul. And so I just imagined your soul like breaking out of this Mm -hmm. shadow and being like, no, wait, like, and now you're doing that for literally thousands of other people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I need to see that movie. That sounds like <laughs> profound. Disney's amazing. Like um, the other one is Inside Out. If you haven't, yes. used, that's the other one that I have never watched this one, but Inside Out is like, okay, they just nailed what is going on yes. there. Yeah. Yes. I've, yeah. I've talked about core memories to people. Yeah. yeah. And I also, I had, um, when I was in social services, I had my foster families watch Despicable Me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah. here's, here's fostering, you know, yeah. like, but yeah. So sorry to interrupt, but go, go forth yeah. with your thoughts on oh. the profoundness. Yeah. I think that's, that's such an interesting, uh, well, it's just such an obvious, uh, depiction of what's happening, but we lose sight of that. And then that idea around what you said, I wanted to come back to it. Oh yeah. Is that we forget we forget what our purpose is. We forget what we're here to do. Not, we have to go find it. And that's a really, really big distinction because I think when people often feel lost or they're like, oh, I don't know what I need to do. I need to find what lights me up. I need to find the next thing. So all of the focus is external. And now it becomes this like, um, you know, almost like like treasure hunt to find mm-hmm. the thing. But what that's just like a trap of staying busy and a trap of like all these little things that grab shiny objects that are grabbing the attention where the work is actually to go inwards. The the work is to release as much as possible so that we can create empty space because in that empty space, it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to like not know, to not have things filling your time, to feel lonely. Um, And, but in that space is where like the truth can come through. Um, And so that's, you know, just a, uh, I think an an important distinction that you made too. Yeah. We can't strengthen muscles that are constricted. Mm -hmm. Like we have to have that contraction and release. Yeah. You know, that's where the strength is created. Um, So yeah, it's so beautiful. All right, let's toggle over because I made a promise to our audience about this tattoo. And this is purely selfish because Kristen sent me a message while going uh, or getting the tattoo. And you said you were going to share all about it. So I want to see it. I want to see the finished result. And I want to hear a little bit about it. Okay, well, you are going to be the first one to get the full story. I um, I promised everyone I was going to share it. And then I'm like, I'll put it out Friday because it, it actually is a really meaningful um, tattoo to me. So this is the, oops, it's like hard to, there we go. Um, so that's the tattoo. It's so upside beautiful. down the way you're seeing it. So it's actually the other way around. So it's sacred geometry. Um, and it is the, actually, so if you look in, there's four little dots on the in the center of the tattoo. And why I thought you would, 
would really appreciate this story is I know you've been on your own fertility journey um, over the last little while. And that was one of the things that we talked about when we were in uh, LA together and you were in a really special spot there in your journey. And um, so last year, it was around, you know, uh, spring of last year, I had, I would call it like close to like a, a breakdown. And I was, I found myself like spinning in anxiety. Um, so, so uh, frustrated, it's not the right word. If I felt helpless to be on, and that's probably the best word for it. And it was like this moment of coming to the realization I'm turning 40 this year. And there's something about that time that it's not true. It's just the, you know, social conditioning around 40 and fertility and something shifting and things do actually shift. It's not that it's like complete bullshit, but things are shifting and there's, <laughs> there's time, there's, there is a timeline on this um, thing. And it was the first time in my life where I had not that I even necessarily have a goal of becoming a mother. I just want that to be a possibility for me um, in the future. And, you know, my life has just not been, the road has not led to that up to this point. And it doesn't feel like the right time to do that for me now. But I got into the, that headspace of like, this is the first time I can't work my way to this goal. I can't like work harder. I can't be smarter. I can't like, you know, make this happen. And there is like the only other thing I can think that's kind of like it is like death. Like it's coming. Like there's this point that's coming and I won't be able to do it. And there's nothing that I can do around that. So I kind of was in this like really weird spot and, you know, it impacted my relationship for a few months because I was like putting all this pressure on our very new relationship. And, um, I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what to do. And so the tattoo is really a, it's not about that. It's about the power of choice and the power of what it means to uh, take empowered action. So what I decided to do was freeze my eggs. And I was like, everyone told me that it was like, kind of like a little bit too far down the line. They're like, you should have done this when you were like 33. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, and they're like, you can do it now, but it's not going to be as, you know, as successful and whatever. Right. And it's like, not a, it's a decent amount of money to do it. Um, yeah. and I just gave that gift to myself. I was like, I want to know that I've done everything that I can, regardless of the outcome, whatever the outcome ends up being. And I'm so unattached to like today, it's like, I'm so unattached to what the outcome is. But the fact that I did that and got four little eggs and, you know, statistically it's not super significant, but it's also a po it's also possible. And so yeah. having that has like freed me up, like beyond belief. I don't even think about it anymore. I'm not stressed about it. I'm like so at peace with that whole piece. So this year around spring had been a year. Um, and well, last summer, actually I did, it, it was, uh, like, um, end of July where I actually got, did the procedure and it's been about a year and I really wanted to honor and celebrate the choice, the, the decision and taking empowered action, regardless of knowing the outcome. And so that's what that tattoo represents. Yeah. Dude, that's so amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That yeah. is just so amazing. Yeah. And like our relationship forever will be super special 
and unique. Um, for those of you listening, like you get a little piece into our relationship because I actually went to the bar with Kristen the night that we were doing our fertility treatment, like our mm-hmm. shot and all of that um, to conceive baby Malibu. And, you know, it was so interesting to have a, an open conversation with you about that because mm-hmm. that's kind of what we talked about was the fact that my fertility journey was not something that I could throw any more money or time or energy and like fix it. Mm-hmm. And that was really frustrating. And so... I just want to thank you for holding that space and also for sharing that awesome journey because um, I like I'm never going to forget you being there that night. And now I feel like I have a tiny little piece of that tattoo as well. So (laughs) totally. It's so special. Yeah. And I love I love, you know, I don't know how it fits into my purpose or my work and, you know, in the future, but I love that people are having more conversations like this because yeah. one of the things that, you know, made me so frustrated and probably got me in the space that I was in is a lot of this stuff was like new news to me when I started um, going down that path. And I was like, why did I not get told about this earlier? Like, and you know, I get that's totally putting responsibility on other people, but there is something there. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. so, you know, I love that more women are having these kinds of open conversations and it's not something that, we're doing behind closed doors or being like, oh, it's like, it's, you know, it's this private weird thing. It can be, you know, let's talk about it because there's more women than I think we realize that are going through similar journeys. Yeah. I I love that too. Like having, empowering anybody to have those conversations because I have two Um, No, I have three little stickers on my folder right now that say geriatric pregnancy and then high, high risk pregnancy. So Mm -hmm. I have like the orange one that says geriatric and then I have high risk and then I have another red label that's high risk. And I just think about that and it applies to life about Mm -hmm. how other people's labels for you can impact your mental health and impact your belief in yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, who got to decide that that's a geriatric pregnancy? Like just randomly, like we're going to put an arbitrary number on it. You're in incredible shape. Your body is in incredible shape, you know? And so it's, I just appreciate that you trusted yourself and didn't let those labels impact you. Because the first time that that was labeled on me, like my first thought was not one of, it was one of my first thoughts and it was fleeting was like, I should just give up because Mm -hmm. I'm too old. And, you know, like if they're going to say I'm too old, then obviously I'm too old. And clearly that's not true. Um, And then it makes me laugh because isn't it Kourtney Kardashian that's like 43 and having Mm -hmm. another baby? Yeah. Pretty sure if I was married to Travis Barker, I would probably figured out a way to yeah. <laughs> as well. But. Yeah, I know. And that's, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation around like yeah, equity and all of that. But anyways, it's what I yes. love about, what I love about that is that it has, you know, whether you or her or whatever, it's like, there's these uh, examples of it being possible. And I think yeah. that's so important for people is like, you know, it's not over as soon as you're 40. It's like, you don't have to throw in the towel. There are examples of this being possible. And, you know, I think part of it is, uh, you know, a mental like knowledge, but then also that mental game is like when you label, when people label you and you take on those labels, it has like big impact on, you know, your, your physiology, your like everything. So yeah. um, Yeah. It's, uh, it's inspiring to have examples of people who are doing it anyways. Yeah. And like to bring it full circle, that's 
your belief in yourself and what your soul is contracted here to do and what's possible, like is probably, I would say the biggest predictor of your success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not what other people say. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So now I'm going to bring it home with a, uh, what is your version of yes and, or mm-hmm. a yes and life? I love this question because I love polarity. I think that like the world happens, like life happens in polarity. The the two poles can't exist without the other. And um, I listened to some of your episodes, so I figured that this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And so if I were to pick one, I think it's what we've really been talking about today. The yes and is remembering that we are um, worthy beyond our success worthy beyond labels, like, you know, infinitely, um, you know, infinite potential and having that spiritual essence, but then also understanding that we are here in this physical human life for a reason, and there's nothing wrong. And it might actually be the point to master the things about being human as well. And so not making wrong things like making a lot of money, having Mm -hmm. success, um, you know, acquiring the things that you like and really doing that unapologetically. Um, and so when, to me, it's like how that, how I live my life is the yes. And between those two pieces. I love that. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for being here and for taking the time to, to come back and chat. And it's like been one of my favorite conversations. Oh, yeah, it was fun. We went deep and short in a short period of time. So covered a lot of ground. Yeah. I know that everybody <laughs> would expect nothing less from us and yeah. our continued bar conversation. <laughs> sure. It's like our bar conversations are probably so different from like 99% of the conversations there. It's like, yeah, this is what we're talking about. Everyone else is talking. I don't know what they're talking about, but this is our conversation. I know. How many people on a first date at a bar go, hey, you know what? We need to do a podcast on this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We need to continue. We need to record these conversations. There's not many bar conversations that would probably be recorded. Yeah, fair (laughs) enough. All right. And for those of you who joined us today, I just want to thank you for participating and for taking us wherever you went today, whether you were taking Kristen's advice and went on a walk in nature and really grounded yourself, or if you're listening to us while you are working on your computer or preparing a delicious meal, yes to all of it. And we, from the bottom of our hearts, both Kristen and I would love to hear about your thoughts on this episode. You can connect on social media, on Instagram, at the Bunny Young, the Bunny Young, and all of Kristen's information, including information about how you can work with her directly on outlining that soul-driven business is going to be in the show notes. And I'll also tag her on Instagram so that you guys can easily find her. Thank you for being here for our podcast, and I will see you in the next episode. 